Good morning. The reading today comes from Roman chapter 12, 3 to 13, and can be found on page 1137 of your church Bibles. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy Prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Uh, Well, if you belong to any organisation you really ought to know why it exists, what it stands for. Uh, For some groups, that's really not very hard to figure out, uh, but it helps in some ways if they make that explicit for you. So, for example, uh, Greenpeace, uh, it's not hard to figure out what they're on about. On their website, they'll tell you that they exist because this fragile earth needs a voice. Uh, Now, you may not agree with their ideology or their methods, but it's certainly not hard to know what that organisation is on about. Uh, or Starbucks. On their website, I kid you not, they say that their purpose is to inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup, one neighbourhood at a time. Uh, They seem to have forgotten that all they seem to manage to do is sell bad coffee. But they're ambitious, they're aiming high, and that's to be admired. So what about church? Um, Maybe you come here every week or even every other week. What do you think you're a part of here? What are you doing here? Well, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be thinking about uh, what it means to be a part of a church. And today we're going to be thinking particularly about this question of why we should love our church. But I guess the place to start is to clarify what is a church? What do we mean when we talk about church? Because there's no shortage of different ideas floating around out there about what church is. So I wonder if you know why we call church, church. Um, Well, the word church didn't start off as a special religious word. It's actually a very ordinary, everyday word. Uh, The Greek word is a word, ekklesia. And the word simply means assembly or gathering. Now, when I hear the word assembly... Uh, it immediately, for me, triggers memories of primary school and the assembly that we'd have every week. 
They'd line us up there in summer, 40 degrees on the concrete slab. We'd raise the Australian flag, sing the school song, which I still know word for word, and the national anthem, and then we'd listen to some very long, boring announcements as kids kind of dropped like flies, passing out from the heat stroke. Well, the the feigning didn't happen every week, but it happened often enough. But the word assembly, uh, it's just that, isn't it? It's a gathering together of people, and that's what the word that we translate in the Bible as church literally means. It's a gathering. But of course, when we use the term church here, it's no ordinary gathering that we have in mind, is it? It's a gathering together of God's people. In the Bible, when God's people are in fellowship with each other, there is God's church. In fact, almost every time in the Bible where the term church is used, it's talking about a local congregation. Uh, So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, Paul will talk about the church in these terms. He says, The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. That's what a church is. It's that local community of Christians. So there was the church in Corinth, there was the church in Ephesus, and there's the church in Balmain. Not that we're the only one. Now, there are places in the New Testament where the word church gets used more broadly, uh, like here in Acts chapter uh, 8, verse 3, when it talks about uh, the persecution against the Christians, and it says, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Uh, And there are a few other examples where the church there is used to refer to all the believers everywhere, uh, all those who had trust in Jesus. So there are those more general references, and church can mean, you know, the church, what we might call church universal, all believers. But nearly in every other instance, church refers simply to that local gathering of Christians in a particular place. So why does that matter? Well, I think it matters because it means that church is not some big abstract thing out there. This is church. We are a church full stop. We shouldn't think of church as an organisation or an institution, although certainly when churches get to a certain size or a network of churches reaches a certain size, it does need organisation. It needs some formal structure so that it can function well. Nothing wrong with having a network of like-minded churches that form into denominations like our Presbyterian church or the Baptist churches. And I don't think it's wrong to call those groups church, Uh, but it can get confusing and muddy the waters too. Probably shouldn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it anyway. Church is not a building either. Uh, Even if we talk about this place as the church, and I probably say that every single day, I'm going up to the church now. But it's really not. Churches meet in buildings. They can't be buildings Sadly, a lot of confusion about what church is comes from churches themselves. Um, I remember growing up, we'd come and visit uh, my family here in Sydney at Christmas, and while we were in Sydney over the summer holidays, we would go to my grandmother's church, which was Cabramatta Baptist Church. Uh, The building itself wasn't particularly grand. It had those horrible orange (coughs) 
glass windows. I don't know if you know them, but there was a whole bunch of churches built at that time. Uh, So there's this strange yellow glow inside the church. But it wasn't that that I remember so much. What What burnt in my mind, what I'll never forget, was what was written across the back wall of that church. There was this kind of carved wooden banner and in these huge carved wooden letters was written, reverence my sanctuary. That's what you looked at when you went into the church. Reverence my sanctuary. Now, as a kid, I had absolutely no idea what that meant. Uh, And I don't ever remember anyone trying to explain it either. What I did seem to implicitly understand was that it meant I needed to sit still and be quiet. And so instead I counted the number of bricks that I could see on that back wall to pass the time. Reverence my sanctuary. Now, there's nothing wrong with being reverent before God, is there? But we weren't being told to revere God. We were being told to revere the place, this sanctuary. I'm not sure that's right. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not. See, neither that building nor this building is God's sanctuary. God doesn't live here. And for that reason alone, I think it's unhelpful to talk about church as God's house, as Christians often do. Now, of course, God is here with us as he's promised to be. No doubt about that. But is he any less present when we leave this place? Is God less present in your home than he is here? God is present with us not because this building is sacred, but because his sacred people are meeting together here. And that is special. So, of course, when we meet together in this way on Sundays, we're at church, this is church, but you don't instantly cease to be part of God's church when you walk out those doors. If you're one of God's people... You're a part of that church every minute of the day. Church is not something we should think about attending so much as something that we're a part of, something that, in fact, God has made us to be together. So we are a church, uh, an ecclesia, an assembly, a gathering of God's people. And this thing that we are is a part of God's good plans and purposes for his people. See, God's intention, his plan for each of us is that we be a part of a community of believers. So what does it mean for you to be a part of a church, to be a part of this church, if in fact it is your church? There are lots of different analogies that the New Testament writers go to to help us think about what church is, what it's like. Uh, It's described variously as a building, a family, uh, a body, In fact, a body is probably the Apostle Paul's favourite way of talking about church. Uh, And he used that image in that passage that we had read for us earlier from Romans chapter 12. Um, I'll show it to you again. From verse 4 it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. As a church, we're like a a body in that we've got many different parts, all function differently, but we are one. 
and we are dependent on each other. We all need each other. In fact, we all belong to each other. And so for that reason, we should be people who are committed to one another, to sharing life together, to caring for each other. Church is not first and foremost about having some sort of formal membership of an organisation. This is not an association that you join. This is something that God makes us a part of in Jesus. He makes us his and he adopts us into this strange family where we now belong and where we also belong to each other. Paul talks about this again in Ephesians this way. He says, from him, talking about Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. A body only functions well when all the different parts do their bit, work together. A church is only going to be healthy. A church will only grow when the people within it are working to build each other up when they're actively loving one another. You may consider this your church. What does that mean for you? Paul says here that being a part of his church brings certain responsibilities, certain obligations towards the other people in that place. For starters, he talks here about using the gifts God has given us for the sake of the other members of the body, for their good. This isn't about our own sense of fulfilment or gratification or getting recognition to be seen for who we are. God says he's gifted each one of us in particular ways so that we can, in fact, serve each other in love. Our church, any church, will only ever thrive when the people within it treat each other like family. And I'm not talking about your family, which I'm sure is as messed up as mine. Where to love each other as God has loved us. That's the measure. The Apostle John, in one of his letters, dismisses, he attacks this idea that we could possibly know and love God, but not love his people. So in his letter he writes in 1 John chapter 4, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen and he has given us his command anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister you cannot possibly have understood the grace and the love of God towards you if you refuse to love a brother or sister in Christ there is no such thing as a loveless Christian there ought not to be such a thing as a loveless church It's important for us to remember that we're called to gather together, to, to meet together, to share life, to give expression to this. Because that's what God intends for us. That's what he wants for us, to be a part of his church. If you're a part of his church, then you need to be a part of a church. And because God loves his church, you should love your church. Part of growing up as a Christian is learning to love the things that God loves and loving them the way that he loves them. And God loves his people.
Don't hear me saying that any of that is easy. Often it's not. Church can be hard work, can't it? Being part of a church is hard for all of us at times, but I think some of us find it particularly difficult, that the whole dynamic that is this, interacting with all these other people, trying to encourage them, be some good to them. Now, sometimes we find that difficult because we've had bad experiences in church. might be that you've had your trust broken. People have let you down, disappointed you, or worse. Sometimes we find Christians in our church who are not an encouragement to us. They're difficult. They're draining. We find it exhausting to make the effort to try and love them, to relate to them. It may shock you to hear this, but there are some people in churches who can be overly critical, petty, hypocritical, judgmental. And sadly, because of that, some of us withdraw from Christian fellowship. We either do that physically, just by not showing up at all, or we do it in other ways. I mean, we're there, but we're very much disengaged. The walls are up. We're not going to trust ourselves to these people. And I'm sure you've heard people say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And sure, that's true. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't. It's not good for you to not meet with other believers. It is not what God wants for you. When that idea comes up in the book of Hebrews, it's only so the author can demand that we do not give up meeting together. So in Hebrews chapter 10, we read, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's vital, it's important that we express who God has made us by actually meeting together, spending time with fellow believers. Because Our church here is an expression of that greater assembly, that bigger church that we all belong to in Jesus. It was never God's intention to save a whole bunch of disconnected individuals who could just do their own thing and express their faith privately in isolation. If you aren't committed to your church, that is, if you aren't committed to the other people here, maybe you need to revisit your assumptions about what you think church is and and what this is all for. Because God never wanted to make anyone a part of his people so they could go it alone. Meeting together on Sundays as a church community is a unique and a powerful expression of what God has made us. A community of people who are united around Jesus, want to encourage each other to keep serving him. But wouldn't it also mean that when you meet with fellow believers in each other's homes, when you share a cuppa or a meal, when you share life, when you seek to encourage each other, pray for each other, with each other, surely all of that's an expression of church too, isn't it? For some of us, I think the last couple of years, COVID, periods of isolation, all that might have taught us some concerning things about ourselves and our attitude towards church. Were you one of the people who secretly came to love 
your lockdown Christianity? Did you discover that doing church online was kind of easier or simpler or more convenient? It was probably safer, I'm not talking about health, in that it was less intrusive, less awkward. See, being in a Christian community can be hard work. But we need to remember that God says he's put us together for our good. And when we find that hard, sometimes we just need to persevere with church. And without putting tickets on yourself, you need to remember, remember that you've been given to the rest of the church for their benefit. God has gifted you for the benefit of others. So you don't just go to church because you like it. You don't just go to church because of what you get out of it. In some ways, they're children's reasons for doing things. And apologies to all the children present. It's a, a good thing to like being here, to love being with God's people. That's fantastic. But if you see the value of church, the value that God places on it, you're going to meet with fellow Christians even when you don't feel up to it. You will turn up for the sake of others, to serve them, to encourage them, to love them, even when that is hard for you. Remember, sometimes just simply by being present is an encouragement to others. If we allow ourselves to withdraw, we're not just robbing ourselves, we're robbing the rest of the church community too. Because you take yourself, you take what you can give away from others. You can't read the Bible and come to the conclusion that God is happy with us to live out our relationship with him in the privacy of our own bedrooms or as some sort of inner personal spiritual dialogue. God wants something far richer, far more relational, far more meaningful for all of us than that. He wants us to be part of an ecclesia, a gathering, a church. Not for its own sake, but because we need each other. And on top of all of that, it's also a part of the way that God works in this world, the way he displays his character and his love and his gospel in this world. Jesus put it very simply. He said this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. How we treat each other is not just about building the church up. It's a big part of our witness to the world as well. We should never underestimate just how different and impressive the Christian community should be in our world. A church should be a place full of people who've been impacted by the grace and the love of God and who show that same love to each other. Jesus says here that that love is the defining marker of God's people. And so when people come into contact with the church, they should get a taste of God's goodness, a taste of God's love. And so when you're talking to people about your involvement with church, don't be afraid to tell them what you love about it, why it's a good thing to be a part of a community of Christians. You don't have to lie and pretend that everything is rosy all the time. But I know for myself, I'm far too hesitant to talk to people about simply those things that I, I love about being a part of a church, a community of believers. But we should. And assuming you're being sincere about it, that kind of openness very often 
will make people much more likely to accept an invitation to something at your church or even just to ask you about your relationship with God. So how could you express your love for your church even this week? Is there someone you should encourage, reach out to, call, go and visit, make some time for, help in some way? Let's not be people who attend church. You belong to these other people here and they to you. So let's love each other from the heart and be committed to this community of people that God has blessed us with.